We're going to start today with a list of the top box office grossing films in North America for last week. In the top spot, number one, a Liam Neeson movie called Honest Thief. It's been out for two weeks, and it led the way last week with $2.35 million. Number two, a Robert De Niro film called The War with Grandpa. It's been out for three weeks. It earned $1.9 million last week. Number three, the biggest blockbuster of the COVID era, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. It earned $1.3 million in its eighth week to get it to a total of just over $50 million in theaters. Just for comparison, the final two Dark Knight movies that Nolan made each made more than a billion dollars. At number four here is The Empty Man. It's a teen horror movie. It stars nobody I've ever heard of. Last week, it made $1.27 million. And now, here's where things get fun. At number five, with just over half a million dollars made, it's The Nightmare Before Christmas. No, not a remake of The Nightmare Before Christmas, the one from 1993. At number six, Hocus Pocus. Again, not a remake. Hocus Pocus from 1993 also made about half a million bucks, now in its 1,404th week of release. At number seven, number seven overall in all of North America, Disney's Monsters, Inc., now in its 991st week of release. So you get the idea. It's not a pretty picture, not a great time for Hollywood. Theaters are open, but just barely, and not everywhere. And even if they were open everywhere, would you go? See, the major studios know exactly how most of you would answer that question. And that's why Monsters, Inc. is back in theaters. But what about the movies that were supposed to be out? This spring, this summer, or this upcoming holiday season? They're now all scheduled for next year or later. But how long can Hollywood hold on to these blockbusters? And how soon can studios make more in the middle of a pandemic? And what does this mean for... Movie stars and movie fans, sure, but also for the hundreds of thousands of people who make a living not by starring in the next Marvel movie, but by catering the set or doing the lighting or programming the CGI. What happens to them if movies never go back to normal? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Norm Wilner is the senior film writer for Now Magazine. He doesn't have a lot of movies to write about right now, at least not in theaters. Hello, Norm. Hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Can I play a tiny trivia game with you to start? Sure. Can you guess what either the number five, number six, or number seventh overall grossing movies in North America were last week? You can pick any of them. You just need to get one of them. It's going to be something weird, right? Like uh, The Empire Strikes Back or something that was put into re-release a little while ago. I have no idea. The theaters are closed in Toronto, so I'm not even paying attention. Number five is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Number six is Hocus Pocus. And number seven is Monsters, Inc. Ah, look at Disney owning the world. It's nice. Two from 1993 <laughs> uh, that are in their 1400th and fourth week of release. Jesus. Well, for, uh, Hocus Pocus just came back out in 4K, too. So Disney really seems to be pushing the millennial love for that film, uh, which, I mean, yes, if you see something when you're 12, you'll love it forever. If it hits you the right way, it's the same reason we have a craft sequel coming out this week. Um, but uh, yeah. That, and you'll that, go back to theaters in the middle of a pandemic to see it again. I mean, I won't, but some people clearly will. <laughs> well, this is the perfect way for me to ask you 
my my real opening question, which is, you know, as uh, as we head into November, uh, this is awards season. <laughs> what is the big award bait blockbuster movie this year? Is it Tenant? What what's going to win Oscars? I don't think Tenant's going to win the Oscars. What else is there? I think it'll get well. Maybe maybe some technical stuff, but um, well, the Academy has made. Uh, new rules to allow the consideration of titles that are only streaming. So there is the possibility that um, something from Netflix could take it all or something from Amazon if they push the right way. I still think Nomadland is the title to beat for um, for theatrical releases. The Chloe Zhao film that played the t- uh, that won the People's Choice Award at TIFF and that won the Venice Prize. And that is easily the best thing I've seen this year uh, and actually played the film festival circuit. So it'll be released theatrically in December, uh, assuming everything else holds up. And that feels like the movie that's probably going to roll into best picture, especially because it also, it's a smallish intimate drama that paints a picture of an America that kind of doesn't exist anymore. That people would be very, very nostalgic for just a place where everyone could travel freely go to museums, walk around, and just interact with other humans. That kind of stuff would give me anxiety now. Yeah, it's weird. I haven't hit that point yet. I can watch movies where people go to parties and um, stuff like Ted Lasso, where everybody's hanging out in hotel rooms and, and um, changing in, in the locker room. And, you know, it's about a, an English football team and everybody's just grabbing each other and hugging each other and high-fiving. And it doesn't bother me at all because in my mind, it's a parallel universe where everything's fine right. and I would like to live there. It's aspirational television for me. What is happening to all the films that should have been released uh, between now and Christmas? I know there's some awards bait. Uh, I believe there was going to be at least a couple of Marvel movies. I was looking forward to Dune. Yeah, you still can. It'll come out next October, uh, in theory. The studios have been dealing with this sort of existential crisis that they created for themselves. Uh, I wrote about it now a couple of weeks ago. The problem with the blockbuster and we've talked about it a few times on the on the podcast um the problem with the modern blockbuster is that it's really expensive and you have to release it all over the world to make your money back and make the profit that is guaranteed you know a flop um will still or not a flop but a film like batman v superman that's perceived as a failure will still make 800 million dollars on a 250 million dollar investment so it makes sense for the studios to just keep making those but that presumes an ecosystem where you can put it out in theaters everywhere and charge the high price tickets and get all that money back and more. And that's not really an option with the streaming reality that we have right now. The smaller films are coming out on VOD as, you know, 48 hour rentals for 24, 25 bucks, or, or in the case of Disney's Mulan, they made it available to own on a premium level Disney Plus subscribership for, I think it was $35 Canadian, and you own it forever, theoretically. Although it'll be on Disney Plus in December for people who just pay whatever eight bucks a month. So there are people who did it. There are people who hold it, who held out and had that model worked and brought in the kind of money that Disney was hoping for. I think we'd be seeing Black Widow available there now. I think we'd be seeing a bunch of other films using the same model, but it clearly didn't. So instead, they're putting out Pixar's Soul in December as a Christmas present to Disney Plus subscribers on a regular tier, no extra fee. But it'll also be released internationally in theaters that in countries that don't have Disney Plus, so they can actually make the kind of money they were hoping to make. The other problem is, even if you do release something theatrically, you can only play to 50 or 60 people, depending on the capacity, because of social distancing seating, which means you still won't make the kind of money you want to make. 
on that point, as I mentioned uh, in the intro to this show, Tenet so far uh, is the top grossing movie of the COVID era. It's made $50 million over two months, which for Christopher Nolan seems like peanuts. Yeah. Um, and, it, and Tenet was the test. Tenet was the test of the system in, in late August and early September in the U.S. when it opened a week later. Um, was it possible to release this film, a film like this, a film this big with this much of an investment behind it? and still make it worthwhile. And a couple of people thought that Warner was using it as a test to see if they could put it out theatrically for a couple of weeks and then very quickly do a premium VOD rental and have it in people's homes for 20 bucks a pop. That didn't happen. And I'm pretty sure it's because 20 bucks a pop will not bring in the kind of money that Tenant needs to bring in. They are hoping for another tier of sales, uh, 4K, DVD, and Blu-ray are all expected to be released in physical media in December. That'll be accompanied by the iTunes release. Uh, and they will try to make a lot of money, but they're trying before that to make as much money as they can theatrically. So there is no video at home window the way there would be with certain other films on a slightly smaller scale. All of these massive releases are so expensive to produce that they have to be released in theaters because the 20 bucks that you get for a 48-hour rental of Trolls World 2, you know, when that came out in April, that was the first film that uh, a major studio put out on VOD instead of releasing in theaters. As soon as everything closed, everybody started figuring out what the next move was, and Universal did that with Trolls World Tour. And it made money, but it only made a fraction of what it would have made theatrically, because a $20 rental for an entire household is nothing compared to, what, like $50 on tickets and another... Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 on popcorn and candy if you take your whole family to the theaters. And of course, the concessions are where the movie theaters make their money, not the movie rentals. And it's it's very, very clear that the ecosystem for a, a megabuster, for a giant blockbuster movie, requires the movie theaters to make the thing work. And of course, no one ever thought movie theaters would go away. No one could conceive of that sort of thing happening. But what you end up with is this landscape of giants that can't come out any other way. They can't, the, the studios can't support their own weight without them because so much of their additional operating costs are involved in the, well, we'll get another 200, $300 million of revenue in March when the Marvel movie comes out, that kind of thing. Look at uh, uh, No Time to Die, which was supposed to come out in April and then got moved to November and mm -hmm. is now scheduled to open over Easter weekend next year. And the story broke last week that it was solicited as a possible sale that Apple was interested in getting it as an Apple TV Plus exclusive. And apparently Apple offered $600 million, and that wasn't enough. Uh, the, the costs are approximately $250 million before what they call P&A, prints and advertising, the marketing of the film. And because of the nature of its production, Universal Studios has this foreign distribution deal where they put money in in advance. And that would have to be recouped in full before MGM and Eon Productions could see a penny of the money from Apple. So they would take a hit. And they know, they absolutely know that when things are back to normal, that movie is going to make a billion dollars. And so the differential is enough to keep them waiting. And that's the case with all the Marvel movies. You know, like if the Mulan model worked, Disney would not have punted the entire Marvel slate forward into 2021. They'd be rolling it out now. Warner just did it for Dune when they announced that they were moving it from Christmas to next October. Wonder Woman 1984 is still set for a Christmas Day premiere, but I can't imagine that's going to happen. Not not with the way things are going. I want to ask you, because just a couple minutes ago, you said, you know, nobody could have predicted that movie theaters would ever go away. But 
Should we have? I know more and more people have been staying home and home theaters have been getting better and better. And yes, eventually this pandemic will end. Um, Will everybody that stayed home during the pandemic go back to movie theaters? Like, shouldn't they be thinking about what's next? I think on some level that should have been going on since DVD came out and people started staying away from mid-range movies because they could they, they fooled themselves into thinking they looked just as good at home. Uh, but now, you know, I'm sitting in a room with a 120-inch screen and a Dolby Atmos uh, receiver and 4K projection. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I've been preparing for this for a long, long time. But the reality is that I think the social component of, of theaters has always been preventing people from thinking further ahead on that way. Certainly within the industry, within people who make movies and distribute them, they keep trying to come up with gimmicks like 3D and, and D-Box and 4DX and all the other dumb distractions to the movie experience that they are able to charge more money for. So when that ticket price hits 25 bucks, you know people are going to pay it because it's something that you can't get at home. I mean, it's not hugely successful, but IMAX enjoyed a real uh, a renaissance in the last 10 years because it offered something that you couldn't get at home. And also because the size of the theater made it possible to see a film without being annoyed by the audience. Unless you had a real jerk directly behind or in front of you, you could block out the mm. rest of the crowd. I think what we're going to see is people coming back to movie theaters for the experience of a movie theater. Because it really, I went and saw Tenet in August when it when it was screened for the press. It was the only movie I've seen in the theater in eight months. And it felt nice. <laughs> it really does feel good to go back to a movie theater. Um, assuming you're masked, assuming the distances are safe, assuming you believe that everybody else in the room is going to be as responsible as you are. And I don't believe that for most screenings, which is why I'm not going back to other movies. This was a press screening and the assurances were made that everybody was going to follow protocol with a limited number of people. Once there is a vaccine, once there is a larger sense of safety, I think people will go back to the movies simply for the novelty, if nothing else. I mean, there are are kids who are four and five years old who've never been to a movie theater or at least won't remember it. And, you know, if you're a parent, you're going to want to take your child to a movie uh, because they'll be quiet for two hours. But also it's an experience you get to enjoy together. A ton of these movies have been pushed to next year. You mentioned one pushed to Easter weekend, one that may or may not open on Christmas Day. How far can Hollywood stand to push all these? If we still don't have a vaccine by Easter, by summer, like at what point do they have to say, screw it, let's get it out? I'm wondering about that myself. I think the, the revenue stream is going to keep them waiting for a really long time. Nobody wants to lose half a billion dollars on a Fast and the Furious sequel, which is what will happen if F9 comes out as a VOD release. It will not make the the crazy money that that franchise makes worldwide. It will make some money. It will make its cost back. But Universal Pictures is going to take a massive hit if that happens. I think what we're going to see is a push towards re-releases, box sets for streaming, things like that. Uh, We're going to see all the stuff that used to work in the VHS and DVD days come back because nobody's going to try something genuinely radical, not with with the movie studios. It's like turning a locomotive around. You just can't do it. Not easily. So we're going to see them try the stuff that worked before, and then we're going to see the real desperation. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I figure with ancillary rights, with 
television, you know, none of these studios just makes movies. They've all got other things going on. Paramount has its television channels and like there's, there are other streams of revenue. They will stay alive. We are mm-hmm. starting to see layoffs though um, in the theatrical distribution and, and people are being furloughed now after six or seven months of, of make work stuff because there's nothing to promote and nothing to manage. But the activity will keep them going. All the other businesses will keep them going. I really don't know what happens if this keeps happening. Like if we, if we have a second summer with no blockbuster potential, if there's no theater landscape to release F9 into, and I think that's supposed to open in April now, um, then we're going to see what terror looks like from the studios. There's lots of stuff to watch, but the reality is we're going to be watching it at home for a while. And I think that's where it gets weird. You know, there, there are people who really want Black Widow to come out right now. I'd love to see it. I mean, I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too. But I, I'm not fooling myself. Like that's two hours and ten minutes of a movie that I will see eventually. Right now, I can fill that time with literally thousands of other things. What about the movie that comes after Black Widow? Because I know not a lot of production. Some of them have restarted, but but for a long time there was no production going on, and it's still pretty minimal at what point do they run out of like well the eternals is now out but we actually never really got around to filming the next one or uh, f10 or f11 yeah i just assume that the the pause will roll forward the same way it does you know if it takes a year and a half to release black widow that means they have a year and a half to catch up with the films that were supposed to follow i know the eternals was wrapped it was in post-production when all of this hit because uh, Marvel shoots really far ahead. No, there'll be reshoots and things, but there always are. And that stuff is just included in the cost of production and in the scheduling. Uh, I believe Shang-Chi just wrapped a week ago or something like that. So they are uh, filming now. These big blockbusters are being made. I don't think Simu Liu ever left Australia. I think he was there for this whole thing, waiting to finish the film. Um, I mean, it's going to be amazing, too, because there will be three or four scenes where Shang-Chi has clearly been working out an extra six months uh, when they do the pickups. But they'll figure that they'll, they got CG for that. Uh, I don't know if we'll notice. Right. Like I, everybody's assuming there's going to be this massive flood of content, but that's not going to happen. Right. People are going to be very careful. Studios are still going to want to space things out so they don't compete with each other, let alone the other studios, um, you know, Paramount's not going to want to throw a quiet place to and whatever else it has out in the same month. And people will be going back to see movies in presumably, like the theory goes, that when they come back, they'll come back in such droves that you won't be able to get everybody in on the first weekend the way we used to. You know, uh, it's possible that a 12 screen megaplex will be devoted entirely to whatever the first film is that opens because they won't want to turn anyone away, but also because that way the studio gets all the money. I mean, it's just everybody is looking for a hit to restart the box office and make people feel safe. And the other problem with COVID is that it takes up to two weeks to manifest symptoms. So people won't be that eager until they see the numbers aren't climbing up. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a very slow, like think about a roller coaster edging up to the top of a very steep drop. But after that, everybody gets to scream and yell and have fun. And and the other thing too, that's been really interesting about the last six months is watching the drive-in circuit figure itself out, is watching the repertory cinemas turn to virtual cinema and realize what plays for audiences and what people do want to see. And it's not always giant megabusters from, you know, the last five years or even, you know, yes, you can't go wrong screening Back to the Future to drive in. Apparently that's just still playing at the five drive-in in Oakville and it's hugely successful. But they also discovered that horror movies play really well. Even in the spring, there was a movie called The Wretched that came out and did pretty well. Um, it was the number one film in North America in April because it was the only film that was new that week. 
but it hung on at drive-ins for a while and did fairly nice business. Uh, it's on Netflix now, which is a totally different experience, but no one knew what people would respond to during the pandemic, but it's turned out to be a lot more eclectic and varied than people would have expected. So when things start back up again, I think those films will still continue to draw crowds because now the distributors know there's a taste for it. We've spent a lot of time today talking about the studios and, and how they're going to uh, apportion their content out to make money and how they'll survive. But uh, what about all the crew jobs? You mentioned the distribution jobs that are now being furloughed. Obviously, there's movie theater jobs um, that are in limbo right now. Like, What's going to be the cost of this, not to the studios and the stars, but to the the machinery of movie making? Yeah, we're still watching that play out, right? I mean, there are productions back up. Why the Last Man just started production in Toronto this week. That's a an FX series that's apparently fairly big and complex. It's about a plague that kills... It's based on a graphic... Or not a graphic novel. It's based on a comic book series about a plague that kills everything with a Y chromosome except for one man and his monkey. Uh, and that's an expensive, complex production. That's like equivalent to designing a post-apocalyptic world like out of Star Trek Discovery, which is also apparently shooting here or just about to restart. I think a lot of people have been waiting for the green light to start back up. And now that it's slowly happening and there are companies figuring out, there are companies that specialize in COVID safety protocols and, and uh, the Craft Legacy, uh, for example, just came out, I think yesterday on VOD. That was going to be a theatrical release for Sony. It didn't happen because of COVID, but uh, it was actually one of the first films that was restarted and completed after the lockdown hit because they shot in Toronto until they couldn't. And when production shut down, they eventually restarted in Winnipeg uh, to the point where the I think I'm pretty sure the ending is different because they had to keep everyone physically separated. I don't know how far back it was shot, but there's absolutely some social distancing going on in the climax of that film. And half the credits are filled with um, COVID safety uh, advisors and, and LLCs that handle this sort of thing on site. It's really interesting. Last question. When you talk to uh, people in the industry, people who cover the industry, I know you just casually talk to a lot of these folks and you do it for your podcast as well. Are they all assuming that it's going to go back to normal or are they really thinking about like what could be the lasting impact on Hollywood and movie going? The, the overwhelming sense is that it will go back, that things will go back to something that we recognize but I don't know if that's grounded in anything other than faith, hope, and optimism, right? I mean, if you're in this industry, you have to believe things are going to be normal again. Otherwise, you know, the existential crisis that that would trigger mm -hmm. is terrifying. And people are still making deals. Shows are still being bought. Movies are being greenlit. Things are happening in a way that I think people interpret as encouragement to, to keep going, to keep moving forward. We're watching everything reinvent itself or we spent six months watching everybody reinvent themselves for home activity. And now barring another massive, massive crisis that happens, I mean, until a major, like, what was the last big one? Robert Pattinson tested positive for COVID and they shut down the Batman. Mm. That was a month mm -hmm. ago now. Assuming we can go a couple of months without that happening again, people will get a little more optimistic and a little more optimistic and it's a slow build. But I think everybody is very, very much invested in things going back to the way they were. Well, I'm not a huge theater goer, but uh, but I really want to see Dune on the big screen. So I hope uh, I hope everybody's right. Thank you so much, Norm. No problem. And if you do need it, I can uh, hook you up with a screen guy. I'll think about that. <laughs> Stay safe. You too. Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, also the host of Someone Else's Movie, a podcast on this network. 
and the host of Now What, a Now Magazine podcast not on this network, but you should listen to both of them. You can find us at The Big Story FPN. You can email us at The Big Story Podcast, all one word, at rci.rogers.com. Claire Broussard, Stephanie Phillips, and Ryan Clark produce The Big Story. Annalisa Nielsen is our digital editor. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. We'll talk on Monday.